Hey guys, welcome to the Professional Development Podcast, and we have a special 420 episode. We're here with Drew Lambert, founder of Kind Goods, and we're at the Daybreak Cannabis Cultivation Facility. So if you're not watching on YouTube, we're actually surrounded by weed farther than we can physically see. So Drew, thanks for having us, and more importantly, for trusting us out here. Hey, oh, hey glad <laughs> we could have great. you. Yeah, seriously, yeah, I'm glad we could do it in the, uh, in the flower room here at Daybreak Cannabis. Thought it was a good setting for us all to sit down and have a discussion, huh? For sure. And so we want to talk about a lot of things today. Um, I know you know the whole background of weed just as a, a business. Um, your company has a pretty good story and like why your company, but I figured we'd start with you because uh, it didn't seem like you take, I don't think there is a traditional route to go about selling weed, but. Uh, well, there is a traditional route. There's a traditional route. It's not normally legal. I have a lot of high school buddies that went the traditional route, right? <laughs> but there's no su traditional successful route. So. You've got a, a corporate background where you're a lawyer, but tell us about your story and how you got into this. Yeah, sure, no problem. I mean, um, you know, I still a uh, an attorney. I work for uh, McCarthy Leonard Cammer. Uh, business litigation is what I specialize in. Um, but yeah, about three or four years ago, um, we, you know, I started looking into when's Missouri going to bring essentially legal cannabis here. It was something. Yeah. Let me back you guys up. I'd say back in 2008, uh, no, 2009, they legalized medical marijuana out in Colorado. Um, I had a client, uh, a legal client from my, at my firm who uh, was looking to get a cultivation facility set up out in Colorado. He came to me, you know, wanted help with all the legal stuff, putting it together. Well, fast forward, we found ourselves talking to the first lobbyists and lawyers who were really dealing with the medical marijuana law that was implemented out there. And, you know, I, I was I was fascinated by it. I mean, it, at the end of the day, I mean, look, I'm sure we'll talk about it. I've been smoking weed every day since I was 18 years old, um, you know, and it's something yep. that I've incorporated into my life. So aside from being, uh, you know, I guess more or less a, someone who likes to smoke and use cannabis, uh, I now had a chance to work with a client on the legal side out in Colorado and I, and again, yeah, I was fascinated by it. Um, you know, told myself that if it ever came to Missouri, I would lunge at it. And again, back this back 2009, I figured we'd be the 50th state to, to actually legalize medical or recreational marijuana. But uh, lo and behold, you know, Missouri did it at, at about the right time. Um, you know, another thing that I think kind of drove me, my wife is a kidney transplant recipient. You know, she as she was going through dialysis, um, you know, she's young. She was probably 35, 33, 34 at the time. Um, we had we had our daughter sent her kidneys into failure. And actually, Jamie Coquet, the one who had more or less reached out to you to you know, about yep. perhaps me being a guest here. Her boyfriend actually is the one that gave my uh, gave my wife a kidney. Oh, wow. So, you know, but, uh, you know, that that's a great, obviously, story in and of itself. We don't need to get into. But, you know, she's on dialysis. She's nauseous. She's got all this stuff come through, and like, there's, I know what's going to work for her because I'm sitting probably across on the other side of the room, you know, uh, using a product that I that I know is going to make her feel better, going to help her eat. But she got skinny, and you know, the, the the problem I think more than anything is it pissed me off because if 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 it came up in her system, we were so scared she'd be kicked off the donor list oh, because yeah. right now. Federal agencies uh, run essentially the organ transplant, um, you know, organ transplant system in this in this country, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And you know, they 
will not, they exclude either donors and or recipients. So something that actually made me passionate about it, just, you know, in addition to, I knew it was a good product for me. I'm thinking, man, this, I just want to get, give my wife some of this product right now. She'd be able to eat, she'd feel better, uh, and, you know, and, and make her comfortable. So that kind of irks you a little bit. Get to 2018, here it is. You know, they, they pass it. I, I got to say, you know, it was something we were anticipating and we were already talking about it. But I felt a little bit behind the time when it did pass, because I don't think anybody really thought Missourians were going to come out here and do it. Uh, and they did it, man. And they did it. Not only did they have three different measures on the ballot, they chose the right one and they voted to the tune of 66 percent, showing the Missouri Missourians, you know, they use cannabis, they want cannabis. Um, and yeah, man, that, that's how it really started. And from that point, literally the week after it was uh, voted here in Missouri, um, back in November, 2018, my two partners or I were on planes out to Colorado. We had essentially retained um, a consultant out there who used to regulate all of the cannabis operators. And so his Rolodex was full of nothing but cannabis operators out there. He leaves his public sector flips into the private sector and starts helping companies like mine get licenses. Well, what he, what you're doing essentially is paying for his Rolodex. We're going out there for every week to meet with all these operators. Um, we chose uh, eventually find a company that, you know, we just felt the synergies were there, good company we can trust. Um, and we essentially partnered up uh, with them on a consulting basis. And the, these guys, uh, the, what, what struck a chord in us is they've, they've institutionalized cannabis. Every business uh, that, that we see, they've, they've basically done and brought the SOPs to it, uh, you know, married it up with what we consider to be what you'd want to see in any well-functioning operating company. And so, yeah, gotten, got in bed with those guys, started working, learning, got all their stuff uh, and uh, applied for licenses. You know, obviously they helped uh, their background to help our uh, applications look, look, look nice. Yep. And, um, you know, we were fortunate enough. It was very competitive here. It was about 2,300 applicants for only 330 licenses. Um, we applied for six, three dispensaries, uh, two cultivation facilities and one manufacturing facility. And we ended up getting all six. We were very fortunate, uh, in a competitive, you know, in a competitive environment. And, you know, ever since then we've, we, we were awarded the licenses December, 2019. We've been trying to stand these sons of bitches up ever since. <laughs> yeah. Been going through development and uh, you know all, all the rest of the rigmarole that takes to stand essentially three separate companies up at one time. And uh, awesome. I guess what I find interesting is like there's a big stigma around weed, marijuana, and your story kind of like talks about like your interest of getting involved with your wife and like how something like this can make such a big difference. How, how do we break down that stigma of like weed, not just being like the high school drug or a drug? How do we break that down to make it come more mainstream? You know, I think, uh, I think we're watching every state do it on their own right now um, with the laws they're passing. I think we were the, I mean, I should know this, 33rd or 34th state. I think there's 37 states now uh, in, in the country that have now passed either medical or recreational cannabis. So I think you're seeing just by the legislatures and the people voting on constitutional amendments, they're showing that the stigma is broken. How you break the stigma for the people that, yes, are essentially still running and, and, and uh, feeding that stigma, it's very simple. You show them what, you show them the cancer patients, you show them the kids with epilepsy, uh, and you show them what this, this simple plant is doing for these people. 
And if they still want to shake fingers at us and tell us we're using drugs and we're bad people. Now, some people are using it recreationally, so I'm not going to exclude that. But that's how you break the stigma down is that this is this is not only a you know, this is not only a plant that can help those people. Um, you know, it's it's uh, well, I, mean, I think it's just that it's a plant that can help people. And then the rest of it, if they want to judge the recreational users, let them let them judge that. But <laughs> the fact that you're it's a schedule one classified drug under the you know federal drug act it, it when it can help epileptic children and help cancer patients and the long list of ailments that's in our law that it can help i mean it makes you i i i, I challenge any one of those people to sit there and tell me that that we would be wrong for legal legalizing it for at least those people which is what we've done in missouri right this is a medical program yep yeah, it sounds like a lot of health benefits. I mean, just in terms of business, it's obviously a, a thriving business, but a lot of hoops to jump through, right? A lot of hoops. It's a highly regulated industry, as we know, because of the biggest issue is it's still federally illegal. Technically, every state, this business right here is operating illegally under federal law. Now, we're, we're, we're protected under state law because it's legal, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's one of the biggest issues we have is, is the fact that, that dichotomy between state and federal law. So how does that work in terms of, like, do you guys only collect cash? Because it's not, because like, you know, you can't use a credit card at a dispensary in Vegas, right. right? Because it's not backed by the FDIC, I guess. So if you're using it for medical reasons, just curious, like, does insurance cover that? Like, how does that get paid to you guys? It's a great question. Uh, to answer the last one, no, insurance, it, it, it will not cover this right now. Uh, I can assume that's only because they are juggernauts that do, um, you know, <laughs> right. operate in every state. They're doing interstate business. So, yeah. what we found is the bigger the company uh, and the more interstate business they do, the more hands off they're going to be uh, on on getting into this industry. I mean, I, look, I think your your biggest industries right now that are just salivating uh, to get into this industry that can't uh, are, you know, tobacco. Yep. Big pharma, yeah. liquor, big banking. You know, when it becomes federally legal, which it will, those they, they will seize the market. And right now, it, and whether that's to protect their own market share on the, you know, yeah. uh, whatever they see us as a competitor, and it's also because they, I think they see it as a lucrative industry. Yeah, yeah. or they buy you out for yeah. a huge multiple. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, we do have investors that I think, uh, you know, would would very much like so. I mean, I think, you know, when when the time is right, when the market speaks itself, that's. That's always a discussion that yeah. Yeah, any business owner is going to have. How will federal legalization change this? Just last week, you know, Congress passed the first act to, to decriminalize it in the United States, which will then, I believe, also make it to where these big corporations that are in the tobacco industry, alcohol industry, big pharma, like you said, they're going to start having a role in the industry. And how is that going to affect you as being the, I guess you would say, right now you're a big guy. But that, that'll now make you a very small person in the in the pond. Yep, I mean it's a it's a really really good question. I mean, uh, for one, you know, I think it's, I'm just going to start by saying it's great to see that it's that, that cannabis is even an issue in Washington. Yeah. Let alone that the U.S. House of Representatives just passed a legalization bill, the Moore Act, last week. Um, you know, it's it's if it goes over to the Senate, uh, which is now a democratically held chamber, so they have both chambers. One would think we would have an easy passage. Um, but yeah, if, if they were to vote it in over there, obviously it's going to go to Biden. I don't think he's, you know, he, he's shown himself to be pretty lukewarm on recreational cannabis, but I don't think he has the balls to uh, veto that. So if it becomes federally legal, uh, what what they what I 
I haven't read the, the finite details of the law, but essentially from what I know, it's gonna, they're gonna implement a 5% tax, federal tax. They're gonna leave the governance of cannabis to each state. So each state's program would continue to still operate. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think essentially what, what, how it affects us is it's a, it's a 5% passed on additional tax. And then, you know, the obvious, what you said, we, we partially answered is uh, all of those other big fish uh, out there that are waiting on the sidelines come, come swarming. And what does that look like? Well, you know, you, you have one or two options. You, you, you start, uh, you know, leveraging and acquiring yourself to compete or you, you know, see, see what they like and what they're offering. And, you know, you, you make the best decision for you and your investors. Yeah. I have a quick question. So you were walking us through the facility, which is badass, by the way. Appreciate um, it. And you brought up, you know, some of your employees may have come from a company like Monsanto. And so it's weird because Monsanto's in the seed business, right? Like, and they have substantial resources. They could create some badass strands, you think? Or like, do you think they'll ever enter into the seed business of this? Um, absolutely. I, I, I can't, I, I don't, I can't fathom how they could afford not to. Yeah. Um, all what Monsanto does is Seeds, make plants, yeah. make plants, make crops. Uh, you yeah. know, and I don't want to over summarize. Monsanto does big things, but yeah, I think they very much have a nice uh, little slot in this, and of course the capital if they wanted to get into this industry. Uh, but I think it, you may be seeing a situation where again a company that size, Bayer now, yeah, Bayer. that is now a, a German-based company. They, they don't want to tempt the federal government. Right. Um, so they, they're, they're just choosing not to probably get involved, would yeah. be my guess. Yep. Can you but, talk? Can, uh, sorry. Go you, ahead. No, okay. no. Yeah. Uh, so we're, I'm sure you've heard this a lot. We're going through what's called the, the great resignation, where it's really hard to find people. In your industry, how hard is it to, to find people and to recruit teams? That, that's, a, that's a great question. Yeah. And the answer is it is not hard yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> we are probably the only industry that is not facing that labor shortage problem. I mean, I, I will give you just an example. Kind Goods, uh, which is, is our dispensary line, we have three in St. Louis here. They, our first store we opened up, the Fenton store, I think we took 12 positions, 12 uh, cannabis specialist positions, essentially bud tenders, the people who are going to, you know, walk through the, the, the um, you know, all the product and, and help you find something for you. Um, opened up 12 positions, we received, 1100 resumes oh, for those 12 positions. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's so much so I believe KSDK at one point in time, which was nice because we were just opening up that yeah. first dispensary. KSDK came out and basically did a, a special on just that. And I believe that the, the title of the article was, you know, cannabis defies the labor shortage, uh, you know, pan, you know, issue. Yeah. Um, so, so with 1100 applicants, you got to get the best people. Yeah. Like, what's the interview process look like for it's great. finding a... That's great. No, uh, y'all, Dan's uh, not a recruiter. Connoisseur. You know, we've, I, I mean, for, first things first, to just to summarize, we, we've got a great team. Um, you know, I, I, I was kind of mentioning that to one of you beforehand, but every state that's come on, it's gotten more sophisticated. We, we basically, man, we've got some good people uh, behind us and we, it was like speed dating. Let's put yeah. it that way. We broke up. There's probably, just, just to answer that question is, we probably had 10 of us at corporate broke up into teams of two, five tables, brought, you know, I, 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 our, our HR uh, department, our head of our HR, our HR director, Jess Hutton is, uh, she crushes it. She went through probably all 1100 of those applications, phone screened everybody to where we had a subset of maybe 60 to 70 people. 
brought them in and then yeah we had like a speed dating hiring event do you like have them smell the product and give it give their feedback <laughs> you know let it. them know, <laughs> they know what they're yeah. talking about you definitely ask them about their experience with the product but i will tell you one thing that strawberry fields the company worked out of colorado they were very serious about saying look you don't need anybody with cannabis experience and you're not going to find them because you're in a brand new market uh, they actually, depending on which company you're talking about, they actually prefer people without cannabis experience because they've got their own SOPs and we're going to train them up on the, those processes. They, they'd rather have the organic, uh, you know, learning process as opposed to someone who's coming in with preconceived notions about how to how to grow a good. So you had, you had how many company. openings? Eleven, I, I believe, eleven. Openings, 11, 11, 12 openings, uh, and yeah, 11, 1100 applicants. Well, and uh, you yeah, mentioned right. too earlier, so many people are willing, you have these people leaving these big corporate jobs to take pay cuts to come work in here because this is the sexy industry to get into right now. It's new. So from a, from a funding standpoint, from a licensing standpoint, whenever they announced that everything was going to be legal here in Missouri for medicinal purposes, they had... I had a buddy from Oregon who was trying to get in on that and he was saying it was damn near impossible to try and get in. So how many, do you know how many people had licenses that were approved or what was that process like to get funding um, to, obviously this is a beautiful facility and you put 40 million into this, right? So how'd you go about getting that money and then was the licensing process incredibly difficult? Yeah, I mean, your buddy from Oregon, you know, I, you, you tell him I'm, I'm sorry because it was. I mean, I, I, I couldn't imagine the effort. I mean, hell, we, we had made a lot of money into this before. And if you didn't get those licenses, depending on how hard you went at it and, and what, what your plan looked like, it, it was a heartbreaker. Uh, I know people that lost licenses and I feel for them. Obviously, we're very fortunate that that did not ha happen to us. I, we actually only got four of the six to start. I had to, we had to file. Uh, an appeal for the other two, but um, it was very stringent. Um, we, you could tell, look, I, I can go back to when I read the, the constitutional amendment, the law that they were bringing here. I, I had read other states' laws, they did it right, as they should, right? They were the newest state. You better have learned from the 32, 33 states that came before you and all the times they got their hand burned to pass the best law here. So it was undoubtedly a great law um, and so what, and the reason we know that is we saw some of these big multi-state operators. Those are the biggest companies in our space and it's, uh, well, it's, it's self-defining. They're in multiple states yeah. and you saw a lot of those MSOs, those multi-state operators tried to seize this market. Um, and some of them did not get licenses and they've got licenses in six and seven states. Um, so it was very competitive. I think, you know, we had hired an application writer out of uh, out of California. He, uh, he, he their team, a bunch of lawyers. They wrote the applications. Myself, as a lawyer, I do a lot of brief writing, a lot of appellate work. I basically jumped on at the end. Uh, I, I asked for basically drafts so I could see what we were dealing with. And uh, you know, they had the, the the platform laid out, but it. It, uh, it needed cleaning up. So I basically took two months, basically stepped away from work and we worked on that application and just tweaked it and made it the best that it ever could be. And it, and it turned out, it, 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 you know, it worked well for us because yeah. it's of, these, of the, the way they did it, you couldn't just throw up on paper and show them all the graphs and all the cool, and wow them with information. Every, there was probably 80 plus questions. Every question was either rated three or you could only answer it with three, 500 or thousand words. 
So imagine wow, you've got this so. big business plan to run uh, uh, these companies and they want you to synthesize it down into these three wow. to 500,000 word answers. I think that I think that's probably where I was able to help. I'm so used to writing for every federal court has different uh, restrictions on how they want you to brief and, and, time, and, and limits and all that. So some of that tweaking to kind of put the best 300 words, 500 words together, that's probably with my strong suit. And then the guys out uh, that we hired brought in all the actual, uh, you know, the, the business plan, the know-how, in addition to our team out of Colorado. What was the cost just to file for the applicant or the applicant? Was it like ten grand or something? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think ten grand for a cultivation license, and this stuff's all posted on the Missouri DHSS website. Yeah. But ten grand for cultivation, five grand for manufacturing and dispensary. Yeah, and there are probably a lot of people because I think we know a group of people that yeah. like tried it. They just thought, oh, we'll pull our money, we'll get send ten grand in, and then they'll give us the license. Right. And you actually did the homework and you guys knew what the fuck you guys were doing. So, you know what I mean? Totally different than a group of guys that are like, oh, dude, yeah, we're going to do this. <laughs> you know, and yeah. so I think that there were a lot of people thinking that they would just be able to dive in. Nobody knew it was going to be this competitive here. I mean, I, I guess if I go back to that, my first organic reading of the law, I was like, holy shit, this is my backyard. This is where I was born and raised. I've got to yeah. put everything I have into this and, and get it going. People eventually caught on and and that's what made it so competitive so the guys that maybe were just thinking hey i'm gonna give it a go let's pull some money together quickly we're never gonna have a chance unfortunately because people saw the opportunity and they 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 you know they clawed and scratched to get get into this market particularly so what's the sorry brad no go ahead uh, i was gonna ask what's your what's your vision for Daybreak and Kind Goods. Are you? Do you have like a goal? As here's how many dispensaries I want. Here's how many grow facilities, cultivation centers I want. What's the What's the big picture? What's the end goal? Uh, well, to for one, the the first goal, uh, you know, the, the the whole reason we got into this space is our patients. All right, the Missouri patients help them to get cannabis out there to help whatever ailments they have. I don't care if it's anxiety down to, like I said, cancer or something worse. So to help them, uh, secondly, I would say it's to pay off our, our, our awesome investors and <laughs> uh, in, in the, the, the total 40 million that they gave us to stand up all three of these businesses. Um, and, and past that, you know, it's, to, uh, or maybe I should say third goal that's simultaneous with the first goal is to sell the best product that's out there on the market and just do, you know, bring everybody, uh, you know, a top grade A product that, that stands up on the shelf and you know smokes competition. <laughs> are, you, yeah. are you limited <laughs> on how many dispensaries you can have right now? And do you think they'll eventually increase those licenses? Good question. Uh, right now, you are limited under the medical law here in Missouri. Um, a group like a, an individual ownership group can only have five dispensaries. We we we, we have three uh, we're, right now. If uh, anybody who's listening wants to sell. We want two more, so. So you can buy <laughs> on somebody up. who already has a license. You can, okay. uh, you know, under strictures. I mean, nothing happens in this industry without the state's yeah. permission. But, uh, yeah, no. So you can have you can have five total. You can have five dispensaries, three total cultivation facilities, and then three manufacturing facilities. But you would never want to get three manufacturing facilities because I can produce so as much. much out of my one manufacturing facility as you can with three. So there's really no reason okay. to have. Three. So. A question I have, which might go a little bit back to the federal part of it, is 
how did you find a bank that wanted to work with you through all this? Because that's like none of the money is insured, right? Through this yeah. whole process. So how does that work? You know, and that's a good question. One thing I, I guess I'll say, I'm not going to necessarily put our bank's name out there yeah. right now. Uh, you know, I, could, I don't think I'd be comfortable doing that until I talk to them. But there is a local bank here. Uh, that is banking the entire industry, or at least local St. Louis Everywhere part of the in industry. Everywhere in St. Louis, they're pretty much um, I, I'd be surprised. There, there's probably not too many. Um, there's probably not too many uh, other banks out there. But yeah, we, we, we have payroll. We, we, we have full banking. Um, funny story is we, in our, the, the guys we work with, with out of Colorado, the, their, their jaws will drop when they, when they fit, found out how long we made it with an American Express account. <laughs> We made it really? all, I mean, I, probably from the inception, I'd say we, we probably opened the account early 2020, um, you know, and we got all the way through the build of this facility, which God only knows how much went on that Amex Whoa. through the build of this. And then all of a sudden, boom, they shut us down. Did they send a letter? <laughs> I, they might, I have talked to my partner. Yeah, it's basically a letter saying you're a MRB account, which is the Federalist Marijuana Related Business. <laughs> Uh, and our Amex uh, went nowhere. So now we are uh, essentially running this, these three companies on three debit cards right now. Well, <laughs> that's crazy. That is actually insane. Yeah, so. that, well, yeah, because I was out in Vegas uh, a couple of years ago, right when Dispenser Recreational became a thing. And we went to uh, Steve Aoki's birthday bash. Yeah. Okay. And it was the guy that works for me and, and we were there. We were hanging out, and right in front of us, these guys, they were just buying $10,000, $20,000 worth of bottle service. Well, anyways, they pay with all cash. So we're like, what do you guys do? They're like, we own the dispensaries, and we have to get rid of all this cash. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are some states, I believe. I mean, there. Are, I think most states, the credit unions have stepped up in a lot of states. Uh, but, yeah, there are still companies out there that, that deal with cash there may even be some Missouri companies uh you know i some of those guys who are in the more got have dispensaries in the more rural areas that may not have a local bank willing to deal with them i'm sure there are people dealing with cash only which by the way and, and i think you guys probably all know is a huge problem for this industry yeah. and one of the, the you know we talk about this more act that, that was passed in the house i still think the first piece of legislation to be passed on the federal level is going to be the safe banking act because that's and the safe banking act does it does simply this it allows legitimate state-run companies like ours to have a access to, to banking and to lending um and, and so I, th I think a lot of people recognize you can't have vehicles full of cash going all yeah, around no. in this pretty burgeoning industry in every state so uh they recognize it's like okay well, let's let these guys stop carrying cash around i mean they've got families they've got you know they're, they're just trying to earn an honest living, and we've got them out running around with vehicles stacked full of hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars cash. <laughs> that is interesting just because there is so much money being created with this industry. Like, does crypto, is there, does crypto solve that at all? Can you even purchase crypto with it? You know, that's funny, and I don't want to get too much. I don't have anything. Uh, His next business venture. <laughs> I've, I've got nothing uh, solidified to tell you on that, but, yeah, there are discussions going uh, how we can, can essentially Because then you the can get together. a digital currency yeah to support the industry yeah right? no it's, it's, it's interesting i can tell you low-level conversations maybe it's just spitballing over smoking a joint but uh you know there yeah the discussions have been out there. okay yeah cool. so <laughs> read a stat uh goldman sachs in terms of their hiring they have 236,000 global applicants they're obviously one of the most prestigious financial institutions on wall street right uh they're at a 1.5 percent acceptance rate and after 20 minutes of doing that math, 1,111 
acceptance is, that's 1%. It took you that long to do that math? 1100? It, it did. Yep. To 11? <laughs> yep. 11 divided by 1100. Yeah, I did. Where'd you go to high school? St. Mary's. I'm <laughs> proud of it too. Right. Yeah. And I went to college for six years, so you guys should not be surprised at this Being point. Wilder over that's here. a lot of college. So, so true. So, Drew, you guys are more selective than Goldman Sachs and have a lower acceptance rate. Are you ready to go on the record and say that you're a better company than Goldman Sachs? We sell cannabis, absolutely. 100%, yeah. <laughs> Best product in the world. Yeah. Um, Non-business related, how do I not get paranoid when I smoke weed? Because I just, <laughs> I can't, every time, it's like, and maybe there's, you know, maybe it's what I'm smoking, maybe it's what I'm doing, I don't know. Or sometimes when I do edibles, is is there certain kinds that can combat that to, I can, so I can just get high as fuck and enjoy it? it the short answer is yes. Okay. It's, uh, long answer is I'd invite you to get your medical card. Okay come into one of the dispensaries, get with one of our awesome cannabis specialists, and absolutely, you will find something that will not make you anxious. Uh, you know, maybe it's a myth or not, but I've heard plenty of people, uh, you know, say that, that, that it makes them anxious. There are racier strains, uh, sativas, that, that may cause people to do that. I don't know personally because mm -hmm. no strain has ever affected me. I like them all. Yep. Uh, but yes, there, there, there's something for you. Okay. For sure. What's the, uh, uh, before you were into all this, the, you know, legally, right? What's the highest milligram of edible you've ever taken? See, that's funny. Now I'm uh, not a, I'm, I'm not a massive edible fan. To me, it is, a, it is just a, it's a body high compared to, you know, a, more of a head high. Yep. I prefer that, that, that I, I, flowers is, is, is king to me. I, I, I like rolling up a traditional joint. And, uh, so I enjoy, I enjoy smoking it. Um, but to get what, what was your question again? Highest milligram of edible oh, you've ever taken? Highest milligram of So I actually do not, um, I do not take a lot of edibles, so I haven't messed with it that much. I, but I do take five milligrams yeah. every night to sleep. So I can't say five milligrams the highest, I'd say 20 milligrams so maybe. It, it's interesting. Um, I was, uh, I was, like I said, I was never really big on it, but a buddy, I had a back issue um, and not nothing like crazy, but I could barely get out of bed. And it was like right in the middle of 75 hard. And I was like, I have to fucking get up. I have to do a fucking workout. And uh, my buddy's like, let me, let me drop an edible off at your place. And I was like, I don't really do well with weed. I was like, but fuck it. And he dropped it off. I don't know how many milligrams I just took it. Cause at that point I was willing to do anything. Yeah. I took it and I'm sitting there in bed. And like an hour later he goes by and I kind of, you know, I couldn't get out of bed before an hour goes by. And like, I fucking just like hopped out of bed cause I was hungry. And I was like, I'm sitting there high as fuck. I'm like doing, like making food, doing lunges in my kitchen, just amazed by how fucking good I feel. There you go. And, Case and, in point. That's why yeah, it should be legal everywhere, right yeah, there. Yeah, no, it's incredible. Yeah. Straight into lunges. The yeah, thing straight with, into lunges. The thing with edibles though, is they take a while to kick in. And I, I had never done one before. And I went to this golf tournament in uh, like, Tunica, right, right outside of Memphis. And, Fun place, seemed uh, a little yeah. young for that place. And so, yeah. The this guy's like, oh, here. I, he had like a bag of them. He's like, here, take this. It was five milligrams. So I take it. About thirty minutes go by. I was like, man, it didn't hit. Like, let me get another one. <laughs> and then, like, about another hour Mistake. goes by. I still not feeling anything. I'm like, dude, I don't feel anything. Let me get one more. Thirty minutes, nothing. I was like, dude, I think they're expired. Like, <laughs> but, but I'll do one more. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I don't typically smoke or anything like that. And now I'm on 20 milligrams and then driving home from the golf tournament, I'll never forget it, it was a brand new, 
black road with perfect white stripes and I just felt like zoned in shoo, 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 and I just start cracking up yeah man so it, they hit me way later and so you, it's hard to control yeah what to do with edibles you know well and that's actually now I guess let me ask you was that was that something that someone brought from a dispensary or was this uh, it was some, a, a black market it product? was a it was a yeah it was a dispensary okay All right. um it was a product out of like a actual bag of gummies and it was a recreational yep. product no and that makes sense yeah i mean it, it, look they they are notoriously known to kick in late yeah. you figure that out there especially uh, with my metabolism <laughs> <laughs> you, i i don't even i can't even comment i'll agree Not i look like an asshole <laughs> it's okay he's just a- the best part is the old days when you had black market edibles and you did like at least we dose it right right yeah. you know that there's equal dosing and everything that's sold in our stores back then hell you could have gotten a little gummy bear you didn't know if it had 50 milligrams in it or five and you, you put it yeah. back and you're like shit well here oh, we go we, we did a, we do uh we did a retreat last year to talk about like where our plans are for the podcast and so we went to we made a mistake of going to the dispensary before the grocery store total mistake and so they took edibles they drank like uh thc drinks and then smoked a joint in the parking lot before we got into the fucking so many grocery store we went to like yeah. walmart it's like and i didn't smoke and he didn't smoke but the rest of them it was like fucking hurting cats like we couldn't find, them. Everything we couldn't find them in walmart man. no we couldn't find them it was awful. And then we walked down one branch just giggling, staring at the cereal it section. Was a good time. It was like, yeah. what's going was, uh, on? Nobody wrecked a car. No. Nope. Nobody got into a fight. So, <laughs> actually, so this is so this is kind of leads me into my next question. Um, in a world that just kind of romanticizes like drinking, why weed over alcohol? Uh, I mean, well let I I'll I'll finish it with the comment that I just said. I mean, for one, um, medically we're helping people all right so let, let's set those people aside because those people deserve this legal product yep. no matter what okay so now we're taking care of them at least in here in missouri as they are entitled to now let's talk about this recreational market uh you know and in using it recreationally you know why weed over alcohol um well for one we all know how we feel when, when we when we uh, drink too much or even a little depends on who you are um we all know how we act if we drink too much. Um, and we all know the bad things that can happen um, from drinking too much. I can honestly tell you right now that I can't think of anyone or, or any instance that I can recall where I heard of a terrible car accident uh, because the guy was, or the girl was too high. I've never heard of a domestic uh, abuse situation where, you know, the husband came home, and just started beating up on his wife because he was too high. Yep. Um, you know, I could go on and on and on about yep. why weed is better um you know i think it makes you feel better for one and, and it doesn't dehydrate the crap out of you but we've already covered that that's the hangover part yep. um you know so th- those are like physical betterments if you use uh you know cannabis over over, over liquor but uh, yeah i mean I, i'd say the 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 biggest thing is is well let's talk about addiction i mean People become alcoholics. I'm not saying that there aren't plenty of people out there that aren't addicted to weed. Uh, I just, I, I have not seen cannabis affect their lives the way that I've seen alcohol affect many people's lives. People close to me, people I've worked with on the legal side, um, you know, clients. So um, I just think it's a safer product. Yep. It's a more enjoyable product. And, uh, you know, ultimately, if the whole world was, uh, if the whole country was, 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 if it was flipped, right? That if, if alcohol was the schedule one 
you know, ban drug and, and we were all out here smoking. I, I don't, I, I think probably the world would probably be a better place. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, and it, and it is, I mean, for, for a lot of reasons, it just makes you a better, calmer person. Now, some people may fall asleep and, and, and you know, it demotivates them, but that's going to be the worst of it, in my opinion, yeah. um, you know. Do you think anybody's OD'd on marijuana? I've never heard of it. It's like actually something. Marley. <laughs> and thank you. you. You took out the, the, the one of the other attributes. I've never heard of anyone ODing on, yeah. on, on weed. No, I haven't. I've, I've heard of people eating way too many edibles, maybe thinking that they were not going to make it yeah. through, um, you know, but never heard of anybody actually ODing uh, at all. Yeah. So I have a question back related to the business side of it. We're sitting in here. How many square feet is this building and how many different plants are we surrounded by right now? Yeah, right now you're sitting in a, uh, including the head house and the greenhouse, 65,000 square foot building. In this room you're sitting in here right now is a 30,000 square foot uh, canopy. Essentially all this white, um, you know, the white floor you're sitting on where the plants are sitting is 30,000 square feet. We're actually limited per license. That's what the state allows us to grow up to 30,000 square feet per license. Um, but yeah, and then this room alone is uh, over 130 yards long and you know it i guess almost 90 feet wide so 388 long by about 90 feet wide that's insane so, and oh, go ahead no i was just gonna say as a follow-up question i didn't know if you were gonna ask this can you uh, equate that to dollars oh you know what i'd have to get our grower in here to yeah. equate that to dollars i mean i can only i can and, and i'm probably not going to get into it here but i can only sure. tell you high level what our pro forma say it's the discussions that i have with our investors but what uh what each one of these which what each one of these bays is worth right now that calculation sitting somewhere i just don't have it off the top of my head um you know i, I can tell you right now that you know we hope um, I don't even know our pound estimates, uh, and I should off the top of our head on, on each row what we what we expect to pull because that changes by the the time by season. Right now we're in winter, light less sun, um, you know, colder temps, so you don't get as much of a yield. Um, but yeah, I mean, but you know, the pounds are still three thousand dollars and above here. Um, we're looking to grow it for you know uh, all, all dialed in, and that's why we went with the automation and, and such. I mean, we're we're hoping between two and three hundred dollars a pound. Wow, and I think not bad. I mean, for anybody watching on YouTube, you probably haven't seen a whole lot of people walking around, and that's because Drew told us that pretty much this entire facility is one hundred percent automated. Which when I walked in, I was surprised by. I thought there was going to be a lot more employees tending after these plants. So can you tell everybody exactly why you went with that route over the labor side of things? Yeah, we went with automation essentially. Um, we're working with a team out of Colorado, the most mature market. We are the most immature market, or at least one of them, being only you know a year and a half into it. We're working with these guys, they basically, you know, they're all, they're entire, they've got a two acre greenhouse. This is a one acre greenhouse. Um, they, and, and ours will eventually be two acres. We've got our second license going in next door. But basically what, what they've done is just give us a glimpse into the future. You know, 14 years later, you know, yeah. they went from $3,500 pounds down to $500 pounds on the wholesale market. I would tell you there's probably under 5% of those original cultivators that got licensed originally in 2009 in Colorado that are still in existence. So what these guys showed us, and one of the reasons we chose them, the Strawberry Fields team, to, to, to work with and, and, and help consult with us is more or less, uh, you know, 
to keep the cogs down and show us that no matter how bad it gets here, no matter how much price compression sets in like it does in any commodity industry, that we will survive uh, just by our way to produce cheaper. And so, yeah, getting back to your question on automation, this entire facility uh, from top to bottom is automated. Every system in it, I could operate it from an iPad or a computer sitting on a couch at home. And I will tell you that, that that's not how we operate it. We have, <laughs> uh, certainly have a team on board, but yeah, we, we have a lot of automation here. Conveyors, um, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, automated watering in certain zones, um, just w wherever we could find ways to essentially keep our costs down, um, even if we had to come in with more expensive systems on the front end, uh, th that, that was the model. Yep. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to close out this episode, but before we do, uh, I guess kind of one of the last questions, and is there anything in particular that we didn't touch on or anything that you want to talk about in terms of Daybreak or in terms of Kind Goods? Where we can find you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, you know, first, thank you guys for coming on. I, you know, I, I, I was uh, excited to bring you guys in here, show you the facility, uh, listen to your podcasts, you know, all last week once, you know, um, I, 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 quite frankly, I had already actually heard of you guys and, and then put two and two together when I was connected with Jamie. Well, we, we are number one. Yeah. In, oh, so so we'll talk about <laughs> this, this later. We're, yeah. we're number one in uh, Tajikistan, the number one business podcast <laughs> yeah. in the country. Well, yeah. uh, no, what, in uh, the world. <laughs> In the world of no, oh no, right. sorry. in the country, yeah, sorry. in the world of Did you take Tajikistan. <laughs> I'm dominating sorry, Goldman Sachs. You're guys. fucking dominating the yeah. podcast. This is a lot of high, yeah. a lot of high level people that's in this right. room right yeah. now. Yeah. No, that's right. That's right. No, but so sorry. You, you were saying you were actually one of the first people that said you had heard of us. Yeah. Go on. No, I did. I had, I had heard it, but put it this way: I've heard of your podcast, and, and then eventually I, I hadn't listened to it candidly, but I had I had heard what you guys were doing. Maybe it's social media. I came across it, but then when I got connected with y'all, I started listening. Uh, to, to some of your podcasts and honestly you, you guys are great I mean to come out here and just shoot the shit and just you know not have to worry about being all you know it, this is a business based podcast right. but it's not all uh, you know tight tight uh, suits and uh, suits and ties yeah. I guess I should say yeah. so no and uh, you know so thanks thanks for at least wanting to talk about this I mean uh, this, this industry I think is great um, it's going to Basically, it's going to change the world, in my opinion, once yeah. we get there, once people stop treating the Schedule One drug. And yeah, I, I ask you that if uh, you're, you're in the areas of Fenton, Manchester, uh, St. Peter's, we have three dispensaries that go by the name of Kind Goods. Um, please get your medical card, come out and visit us. The smelling good plant we got going on here <laughs> very good. will be yeah. available, and we hope at all 190 dispensaries in this state. So uh, keep an eye out for Daybreak Cannabis. Uh, we hope to be in stores near you and uh, yeah, pick pick us up, uh, try, try it out. Oh awesome. yeah. Yeah, man, it's really cool to see what you've done. It's cool that you've executed on it because there's a lot of people that want to do it. There's very few people that actually execute. So kudos Thanks. to you on that. And uh, appreciate definitely that. appreciate you having, you coming on and that's all I got. For yeah, sure. It was awesome. Yeah, guys, thank yeah, you, man. This is badass. Drew, thanks so much, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Appreciate it. Cool.